You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. This is your host, Tim Link, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. My special guest today is New York Times bestselling author Robert Gray, and we'll be discussing his latest hit novel, The Promise. Uh, so we're excited about that. The Promise, an Elvis and Cole and Joe Pike novel. Of course, uh, Robert's the best-selling author of Suspect and numerous, numerous other uh, novels. Just great work. We're excited to have him on the show today. So we'll talk to him a little bit about the book. We'll also talk to him about his uh, writing styles and processes and uh, how things are to be a a world-famous author. So it's going to be an exciting time. Everybody uh, hang tight, and we'll be back after these commercial breaks. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our chicken rolled food as a meal or shred it as a topper. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com Welcome back. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Joining us now is uh, New York Times bestselling author Robert Crace. Robert, welcome to the show. It's great to be here, Tim. Thanks so much. Oh, we're excited to have you here. Congratulations on another successful novel. It's a fantastic read, uh, The Promise. Tell us a little bit about the book. Well, I'm mostly known for uh, my always called Joe Pike novels. The Promise is my 20th, 16 in the series with uh, Colin Pike. But my last book, Suspect, I created new characters, an LAPD canine handler named Scott James and his German Shepherd police service dog, Maggie. And I got to tell you, Tim, I, when I created those characters, I just fell in love with them. I knew I wasn't finished with Scott and Maggie after the one book. So I set about trying to come up with a storyline that would allow me to cross their paths with my go-to guys, Elvis and Joe, just because I knew, well, I hoped it would make a great thriller and it would be really fun for me to write. And I did. And the result is the promise. Yeah, in the book, I have to say now, once you, we've talked to a lot of uh, of great people on this show, and I would say some of them are write about animals, and some of them just have characters in their books, and some of them introduce a nice uh, canine or a cat or some other critter into their novels, and it's a whole new reach to the marketplace. What have you experienced since introducing Maggie to the uh, to your fans and to your audience? Oh, I was I was uh, totally surprised by the amazing reception that Maggie and Scott got. I mean, look, I've been a fortunate guy, and and after uh, I've written quite a few books, and over the books, over the years, you know, I've developed a large, loyal following. I'm fortunate that way. But when I published Suspect with Scott and Maggie, the readership just exploded. And I know it's because of, of Maggie, people fell in love with her. In fact, it's been two years since I published Suspect, and then the first year after, 
we logged over 16,000 fan letters coming in through my website or Facebook wow. page. And it's just a stunning avalanche of passion for this dog. And what happened was is uh, dog lovers among my readers pushed the book on their dog friends, <laughs> and it rippled through the community of everyone who has dogs or loves dogs or ever had a dog, and, and, and it's still going strong. I never anticipated that. I, I never dreamed that would, that would happen. <laughs> Because when you introduce the characters, I mean, I'm assuming it was just these would be neat kinds of characters to have and really expand the storyline that you're doing. I'm sure it had nothing to do with, hey, let's put a dog in the book. No, it really didn't. You know, the joke among my, uh, you know, a lot of my writer friends and, uh, you know, was that, boy, Craig's really smart. I mean, he put a dog in and people like dogs, so look how many books he sold. And I have to laugh. I tell him, if I was that smart, I'd have written this book 20 years ago. <laughs> I, I mean, all I wanted to do is tell a story about a bond that grows between a wounded man. Scott suffers from PTSD because he was caught in a, in a shootout and he lost his partner. And this dog, who also suffers from PTSD, because before she was a police dog, she was a military working dog, dual purpose, an explosive detection dog in Afghanistan with the Marine Corps. She loses her handler. She herself is badly wounded. And she returns from the theater with uh, suffering from canine PTSD, which dogs do get. And the symptoms are exactly the same as symptoms with people. It can be debilitating and terrible. I wanted to put those two characters together because I wanted to write about the bond that, that happens between people and their dogs. That's all I intended. I mean, I, I, it's a crime novel, and, and I wanted a, you know, a real fast-paced thriller and all of that other stuff. But I really wanted to write about those characters. And in point of fact, I, the only reason they're back now is because in the writing of that book, I absolutely fell in love with them, and Maggie wanted to use her again. I could not let her go. That's fantastic. Well, then, then putting together the characters, let's walk through uh, you know the, the various characters now in the books. I mean, how do you really determine in your mind what kind of characters you need for the next book or series of books? I mean, is it something that you wake up and say, wow, this would be interesting to add this type of character into the book? Or is it a fact of, uh, you know, you've got a sort of a rolling timeline. You're thinking, okay, now this would be good, you know, in the series to introduce a new character of some sort. Well, you know, I, well, again, my go-to guys are Elvis Cole and Joe Pike. I've, I've written about them for 20 books, and I love those guys. They're fun to write. They're interesting. They're always changing, and they're extremely popular. When I need other characters, sometimes they happen by stance, or sometimes there's a, a reason. Like when I began, uh, before I began Suspect, I wasn't looking to write about it a dog and a person. I actually began my research into canine cognition and behavior and the bonding between people and dogs because I had a, a dog for a long time, a, a dog I dearly loved, and I lost him. And I just grieved terribly for him. In fact, the, the grief went on for so long, I began the research into human-canine bonding, frankly, to see if there was something wrong with me. I mean, you know, you know, when am I going to get over this? But that research led to military working dog handlers and military working dogs who have among the tightest of bonds possible between people and dogs, and also police canine handlers and their police service dogs. And the more I learned about these bonds, the more I became convinced that it would be an amazing platform to build a, a crime novel around. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, I tell you, I, I think all of our listeners fully understand the loss of your own uh, animals, your own dogs, cats, uh, whatever your uh, human pet companions are, you know, and it's the grieving process is strong and you just sort of have to go through it like you do any other grieving process. There's no timeline, no process behind it. It's uh, you get over it uh, or at least you uh, understand it better as time goes on. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, listen, once a, an animal like that is close to you and, and in your heart, I think what it's important to accept is that if you then want another pet, that's not replacing the old pet. It's in no way abandoning your former pet. That pet's still alive in your heart. So there's plenty of room in your heart for more than one. There you go. I like that. I like that. So this is always fascinates me. You've written 16 in the series, 20 novels total. You've got these characters, uh, Elvis Cole and Joe Pike, as sort of a, a running characters in your book. How do you as an author and as a writer to keep everything sorted? I mean, is there ever a time when you have to go back and read book number three to make sure that uh, <laughs> Elvis didn't do something in that one that would upset your readers when they call you on the table about uh, your 20th book? I do. I do because I forget. Yeah. I mean, it's been, the first book was published in, in 1987, which is a long time ago now. And my readers know my work much better than I do. I forget. <laughs> and I'll, I'll be asked questions sometimes at readings or appearances about, you know, book four or book seven or nine. Oh, and I have no idea what they're talking about. Because I've forgotten. I do have to go back and make sure I don't repeat myself and refresh the history of the character sometimes so I, so I don't duplicate myself. Actually, I think it helps me to keep the new books fresh because I'm always looking at new ways to present the characters and different types of stories to tell. Yeah, I can imagine. It's a it's challenge. I, uh, I know even when I write, it's, uh, you know, I do a lot of nonfiction and people were asking me about certain stories or what happened to that cat or that dog or that rabbit or whatever it may be. And it's like, uh, okay, I got to <laughs> quickly think, 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 Tim, <laughs> what actually happened there. I, I can relate, bud. There you go. All right, everybody. We're going to take a quick commercial break. Uh, we'll continue our conversation with uh, Robert Crace. I talked to him about his book, uh, The Promise. Talked to him about his writing styles. Uh, so everybody just hang tight. We'll be back with you after these messages. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Hi, this is Tim Link, animal communicator and pet expert and host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have you ever wanted to know what your pet is really thinking? Do you want to find out if they truly understand what you're trying to tell them? Ever wish you could build a better understanding and closer relationship with your pet? Well, now you can. Learning to communicate with animals is a four-part on-demand workshop. In the workshop, you'll learn the essential techniques that are necessary to communicate with animals, including what is animal communication, breathing correctly to achieve the perfect state to communicate with your animals at a deeper level, using guided meditation exercises and method to communicate with animals, and how to send and receive information from your animals. So if you're wanting to learn how to communicate and connect with your animals at a deeper level, visit PetLifeRadio.com forward slash workshop and purchase and download Learning to Communicate with Animals. You'll be glad you did. 
Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Talking to uh, New York Times bestselling author Robert Crace about his book, The Promise, an Elvis Cole and Joe Pike novel with exciting characters, uh, Scott, canine handler, Maggie, the canine in there. Great, great book, Robert. Uh, big kudos for uh, putting it together as usual. Let me ask you about the process of writing uh, mystery in general. And, and uh, we before the break, we talked about how to keep the characters straight and keep everything uh, fresh. How do you go about looking forward to the next novels? Do you have sort of a theme, uh, sort of a, an idea what you want the, the next one, two, three to come about? Or is it more of um, wanting to pull as much as you can and do them sort of one at a time if possible? It always starts with a character. I almost always, there's a character that I'll think up or a character that, who occurs to me. And there's something about that character that just won't let, let go. And the story inevitably grows out of that character. In The Promise, I knew I wanted to put Scott and Maggie and Elvis and Joe together in a book. I just needed a believable way to, to do that. And I had been reading about grief suffered by the survivors of terrorist incidents. And the notion for a character came to me. And, and in the book, is a woman named Amy Breslin, who is a single mother. She's a chemist for a defense contractor in, in, in Los Angeles. And she has a you know, 20-something son who's a young journalist. And the premise is that her son is in Nigeria covering a story when, you know, it's coincidence now is awful considering what's happened in Paris. Mm-hmm. But lunatics set off a, a suicide blast, kill a bunch of innocent people in a restaurant, including her son. Time passes. The government can't give her answers. No one is ever caught. No one is ever found. So this poor woman is locked in in grief. And the more I thought about her, as she began to evolve in my head, I knew that if no one else could help her, she's just the woman to find her way to my heroes, right? Elvis Cole and Joe Pike, because Mm -hmm. they're the guys you turn to when you need help. And that's how this book developed. That's amazing. It, it, it always fascinates me when uh, putting you know these type of books together. When I read your work and, and works of others that have uh, you know a long running successful series of uh, how you go about selecting the characters and finding new characters as well as keeping everything uh, fresh and exciting. It's uh, it sounds like you still have a great passion for these characters. I do. I do. And one of the, you know, often I've grown to believe that one of the, the most important things that any of us have as writers is our gut instinct. And you have to learn to trust that. And what I mean by trust that is that if, like Amy Breslin, or whichever character it is, or, or Maggie the dog, if the idea occurs to you and, and, this, and this character begins to haunt you and won't let go and you find yourself obsessing over the character, you know, over Maggie or over Amy Breslin, that's your instinct. And if you can obsess this way, you the writer, if something makes you feel so passionate about that character that uh, you want to pursue it, I like to believe that, you know, if I just trust that instinct in myself, my readers are going to end up sharing my passion. And if my readers share the passion, then they're going to be satisfied with the novel. I think it's a great way to put it. I like how you put that because uh, obviously your readers, your fans, they, they're connecting with you whether it's connecting with you just by surely the stories that you have, but obviously you're putting yourself into the stories. So obviously they have a deep connection and deep affinity for you in some fashion, whether it's directly or, or just through the stories. 
Sure. But books are actually a collaborative medium in a very special way. The book doesn't come to life until a reader reads it. I mean, I make up words, I compose words, so do you when you're writing, and we put those words on paper or electrons if it's digital. (laughs) But the book then is just dormant. It's just this empty, lifeless thing that's sitting there. It isn't until another human being reads your words that those words come to life. Then they come to life in that person's head. And in that moment, we as individual writers are actually collaborating with the person reading the book. It takes both of us to make that make those images and thoughts come to the reader's mind. And that's a wonderful way of touching each other. I think at its very core, man, that's like perfection in art. It's why we do what we do. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly on that. So let's talk about your uh, your writing process. Are you a must-write 2,000 words a day type writer, or are you a wake-up-in-the-middle-of-night and start writing and nobody bother me until I get done writing type of writer? Do you have a set process, and how about you go about doing things? I'm a... Uh... I'm a blue-collar writer, meaning it's a job, and I'm very rigorous about going to work every day. And I do. I, I work seven days a week. My pattern, I don't like Maggie the dog. You know, I have patterns, and, and I love my patterns. I'm comfortable with them. I get up in the morning. That's when I exercise. After I exercise, I go to work. I don't have word counts. I generally try for five or six written pages, but that's not really so much the important part of it for me, that number of pages. I just try to move forward in the book. I try to create moments and scenes that I'm satisfied with. You know, a good day, maybe I can, I'm not the world's fastest writer. On a really good day, I might get eight or 10 pages, sometimes maybe even 11, 12. Bad day, maybe a paragraph. And I'm always revising, never so much that I stop moving forward just enough to get me off the dime and moving forward again. But it's important for me that I maintain that daily pressure. I go to work, I sit there, I get it done. And do you catch yourself going back while you're writing and sort of reviewing what you just wrote? Or are you a, a dedicated writer where you say, okay, I'm not going to do any form of editing whatsoever on this thing until I get to a good stopping point or get to the end? I understand. No, I I do revise a little bit, but not to extremes. It's kind of a delicate line. I can't seem to move on until, say, the paragraph or the page or the moment is sort of like makes credible sense and feels kind of right. And you you notice the qualifiers I'm using, kind of (laughs) right. It doesn't have to be perfect. It has to be finished enough so that I trust that it's contributing to the story and that and that won't I'm not kidding myself you know this is real this works I can always go back and do later to polish it up and do more editing and make it read more smoothly but um, so it's kind of a delicate thing I do value moving on and moving to the next scene to the next scene to the next scene that I think is really important for any writer otherwise if you go too far in the other way you can spend the rest of your life writing one page yeah and it'll <laughs> never be you know you'll never leave because it, it'll never be perfect that's all right. All right. Well, Robert, after everybody picks up a copy of The Promise, that was Cole and Joe Pike novel and, and reads it and loves it, what do you really hope they walk away with uh, after reading the book? Is there a, a takeaway or is there something you're, you're hoping that, hey, if they walk away with this, I've done my job? Well, I, I guess first and foremost, I'm a, well, I'm a commercial writer. So first and foremost, I want them to be happy with the experience, meaning, hey, they, they paid their hard-earned money for the book. I want them to feel they got their money's worth. I want them to feel that they were 
in the world that I created there in the, in the space, the novel, it, it totally transported them. And if I've touched them in some way, I mean, one of the big compliments, uh, biggest compliments anyone can pay me is like, that scene made me cry, or that scene made me laugh out loud. If they're telling me things like that, then I know I've touched them, human being to human being. And that's very important to me. Yep, I agree. Well, I think everybody, once they pick up a copy, if they haven't already picked up a copy of The Promise by Robert Crace, I think uh, you have done your job very, very well once again on this, Robert. So we as fans appreciate what you're doing. Uh, thanks, Tim. I really appreciate that. Yeah. So uh, where can people find out more about you and all your events, all your signings, everything going on in your wonderful world right now? Uh, I have a website, uh, robertcrace.com, and there's a, you know, that's chock full of information, including my uh, ongoing tour schedule. I'm also on Facebook at The Real Robert Crace, and ditto on the homepage, on the Facebook page. They can find tour schedules, other information about me, including photographs of, uh, from the tour, and uh, a lot of readers and fans post photographs of their dogs and, and photos they take of me on the tour, so that's always fun to check out, too. There you go. So everybody, go uh, go visit those sites. We'll post them online as well. That's uh, robertcrace.com, the Facebook page, The Real Robert Crace. Uh, he's likely to come to a city near you. So go out and see him in person and get one of these things autographed. If not, uh, definitely get yourself a copy soon of The Promise by Robert Crace. Robert, thanks for coming on the show today. We really appreciate it, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again real soon. Uh, my pleasure, Tim. Thanks for having me. All righty. Well, we're uh, coming to the end of the show today. I want to thank everyone for listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. I'd also like to thank our sponsors and producers for making the show possible. Find out more about me, Tim Link, and the other guests I've interviewed on the Animal Rights Show. You can visit PetLifeRadio.com and click on the Animal Rights icon and download all the wonderful interviews and listen to your heart's content. And while you're there, make sure you check out all the other wonderful shows and hosts on Pet Life Radio. It's PetLifeRadio.com. If you have any questions for me, uh, comments, or ideas for the show, please email me. You can email me at tim at petliferadio.com, and I'll be glad to answer your questions, entertain your comments, and bring on the people you want to hear from most. So until next time, write a great story about the animals in your life, share it in a blog, an article, or in a book, and who knows, you may be the next guest on Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have a great day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand only on PetLifeRadio.com.